Hello, everybody. Welcome to You Can't Get to Heaven in a Mini Skirt. I'm Sarah. And I'm Jessica. You got the name of the podcast right, which is exciting. I know. It's crazy. And if, if you want to find us on social media, you can find us at TikTok and Instagram at Heaven in a Mini Skirt. And then if you want to look at us for, on Twitter, you can find us at Mini Skirt Pod. Wow. Okay. So, wow, Sarah, you've been practicing. Also, if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash heaven in a mini skirt. Or you can subscribe to our bonus episodes on Apple Podcasts. It's the same content. You'll get our bonus episodes. And lastly, we would absolutely love it if you could take the time to rate, review, or give us however many stars you want on whatever platform that you use to listen to the podcast. It'll help us so much. Even if it's one star. Yeah, we either get five or one. Yeah, five or one. There's, There's not no a lot in between. between. <laughs> <laughs> you either hate us because of what we talk about or you like us because of what we talk about. And that's that's it. That's the whole intro. Today, we decided to do a fun one today, although I'm a little nervous that I'm going to get mad. I also just want to shout out to thank you for all of the people on Instagram that wrote in and shared your experiences working at Christian camps. Spoiler alert, yes. that is what we are talking about today. Bible camp. Yes, this is a, an episode titled Tales from Christian Summer Camp. And do we want to start off like talking about maybe our experience, our breadth of experience of being a camper, working at camp, and then kind of go from there? Yes. As the listeners, my, some listeners might know, Sarah and I grew up together in eastern Canada. And throughout my childhood, before I knew Sarah, I was sent to a Christian summer camp every year by my parents. Baptist? Yeah. And it's a Baptist summer camp. But my parents, like, they didn't like they weren't crazy Christian anyway. They we went to Catholic church sometimes. So it, they didn't really care. They were like, this sounds wholesome. And I don't think they thought that there was going to be any issue, which there wasn't until I was an adult. So I went as a camper for several summers, every summer. And it was so fun. And then I ended up working there for two summers, volunteering one summer, staff the second summer. And that was because Sarah brought me brought me on. So thanks for that. And then the third year, I applied to be on staff and I was not hired. So that's when I was like, I'm done with Christianity. And then I slowly started my trickle out of church after that. Yeah. And so, Sarah, what's your experience? So I started going to overnight camp at a different camp because I lived in a different city until grade seven when I moved to the same city Jessica grew up in. And I, so I went to one Baptist camp for like from probably age seven until age 13 because then when I was yeah when I was 13 I volunteered and went to that camp so I volunteered for a couple weeks in the kitchen at this Baptist camp when you were 13 and, yeah <laughs> oh. well I was like friends with the director's daughter and like I had my first experience of actually like witnessing to a camper and for those of you who don't understand Christianese I started converting people and I drank the Kool-Aid and you know when you convert someone Everyone gives you so much positive feedback. And you also, like, if you truly believe it, as I did, you think, like, I have just saved someone's eternal soul. And so Zoe, back in 2003, I still remember her name, the camper, named Zoe. I saved her eternal soul. And I was, quote unquote, on fire for God. So then I had moved and I started going to the local Baptist camp, which was really closely affiliated with the Baptist church I went to as well. And I started by volunteering one summer, and then I was on staff for three summers. And this is this is the same camp? The same not, camp as yeah. Jessica. Yeah. So one of those years, I was doing, like, maintenance. The next year, I was a cabin leader. And the year after, I was missions coordinator. So I was in charge of trying to get kids to give their snack money, their tuck money. That's what we call it in Canada. Like, snack shop money to whatever cause we were supporting that summer. And your summer... You were supporting some church in, like, Saskatchewan? Is yeah, that... some church in Saskatchewan that did a lot of work with, like, Indigenous Canadians. And we're hoping that so. it's they did good work with Indigenous Canadians. We're not sure. We're hoping for the best. <laughs> yeah, because the, the track record of the church and Canadians in general with the Indigenous people is just awful. It's and... not great. It's not great. Yeah. So I did that. And then I remember, like, the summer after high school... Because I was going to be going away to work in the UK, like in the New Frontiers Church for a year. And I remember going back and forth on if I wanted to be on staff or not. And I ended up not applying. And then I send these really long Facebook messages to like the senior staff being like, 
you know, I just don't feel like that's where God wants me this summer and I'll be praying for all of you and like, oh no. And of course, you probably have access to all these messages because Facebook keeps all of your old messages. You can go back. Yes, it does. As long as Facebook Messenger has been around, you can go back and see. Do we want to start with some of our experiences? Do we want to start with a typical day or a typical week? So I found an old schedule. It was, this is the teen camp. This was like 15 to 18 year olds. I don't think I ever actually attended the teen camp because I would have been working oh. there by the time that came up. I remember one year when I was working as a staff, they like made us because we had our own sleeping quarters. They made us go to a cabin and like sleep in a cabin with the campers, even though like we were working. And I was like, I don't want to leave my bed to go sleep in a cabin with a bunch of random people. Like, I was a little pissed about that. I remember that. And they were like, no, we want you to be included in all the fun. And I'm like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> yeah. And so just for some context, like when we worked there, it was a big commitment. Like the week as, as soon as school finished, mm -hmm. like we, a lot of us that were on staff were high schoolers. There were some people in college. But as soon as school finished, you were immediately going up to camp. And the first week was like getting everything ready. And then there were like 10 weeks of camp. And then there was like a, a cleanup at the end. Oh, I remember pressure washing chairs at the end. Oh, yeah. Like I remember like carrying random shit everywhere, cleaning up like mice poop. Like there was all kinds of like <sighs> disgusting things that you had to do. Scraping at urinals with a knife. That was great. Oh, I never had to do that. Now that's really gross. Yeah. But on the week to week basis. So you would finish. If you were on staff, camp would finish like you would probably go home around 930 on a Friday night because mm -hmm. after everything's like cleaned up from when campers would have left like in the afternoon. And then you had to be back for two o'clock on, on Sundays. So yep. that give you enough time to go to church on Sundays. So you really just had Saturday and you had to do like all your laundry that day. Mm -hmm. So I remember just like not ever seeing anyone other than the people that worked at camp with us. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember my parents would pick me up. I don't know, at dinner time on Friday and I would go home and they would be like, you stink because like we would shower at camp, but we were working. We were like just gross. And it was so hot. It was so hot. Like... You're so sweaty. And you might be wearing dirty clothes, too. I would shower all the dirt off me. I would go to bed. And I remember when I would sleep, I would be so tired that like I wouldn't even physically move all night. Like I would wake up in the exact same position that I fell asleep in because my body oh my was just like done. And I would sleep for like <laughs> 12 hours straight because they work you to the fucking bone. And you will see that like going through this schedule. Like I was looking at this daily schedule and I was like, oh my gosh, like this is... Like you don't get breaks. No. And if you have a break, you're supposed to be reading your Bible. And so for context, this week of uh, the teen camp, I was... 16 years old and I was the camp counselor for 14 to 18 year olds so I was you know I, I was the senior cabin leader they called it cabin leaders they changed the name because like counselor was like people were like oh but that's a therapist oh, and we're like I'm 14 obviously I don't have a fucking master's degree <laughs> <laughs> um so the schedule it starts out on Sunday you arrive and register at four o'clock campers do Five o'clock supper, 5.45 is camp photo intros. And then 6.30 was like going in the pool or like boats. Um, and then 7.30 was vespers, which is like worship service. Then 9 o'clock was snack, 9.30 was game, 10.15 was spree time, 11.15 was cam was campfire. What the and hell? And midnight 11? was lights out. What? Yeah, for the teen camp, Whoa, right? I must have... The, this is probably why I hated this so much because I was probably so tired from work. I didn't want to go to campfire at 11.15 at night. I was like, I want to go to bed. Yeah. And so you, there's campfire. And if you're on campfire duty, like you have to like put out the fire, carry everything back, clean up. So you're not going to bed till like 12.30 probably. Oh, fuck that. And then so what time is wake up the next day? Six? So, okay. Rise and shine was 8.30 for the campers. Oh. But staff... So when there were the cabin leaders, we would have to rotate days of going to morning prayer meeting. Mm -hmm. So one one day the senior cabin leader would go, the other day the junior cabin leader would go, yeah. and then everyone else who wasn't a cabin leader had to go every morning. And the prayer meeting would be between like 6 and 6.30. Mm -hmm. Except for maintenance, because maintenance had to get everything ready for breakfast. So I think you guys had a rotation too, where you would go sometimes. Oh, then... I'm sure. I'm sure. And then, so then you have 8.30 rise and shine, 8.50 flagpole time. So everyone would gather outside the flagpole and we would all pray. And sing O Canada. Remember, remember they would slowly, slowly raise the flag. They would raise the flag. There's some patriotism right there. I know. <laughs> I love the praying and raising of the flag. And I remember being a camper and the dew would still be on the grass. This is like a vivid memory of mine. Oh, yeah. 
Okay, so we'll keep going. So 9 o'clock is breakfast, 9.45 is activity board. So you would go and you would find out like what your activities are for the day. Then there's activity one. So activities could be like archery, canoeing, kayaking, rock climbing, mountain biking, arts and crafts, metalwork. What about the theater class, Sarah? You almost forgot about the theater class. Oh, yeah, I always theater took that class. one. I, oh my God. And then we would do a skit at the end of the week. I was such a theater nerd. I, w- I needed the attention. You loved it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there was always a show at the end of the week. Okay, so we had, then we had cabin cleanup at 11.45, free time at 12, 12.30 is lunch, 1.15 is activity 2, 2.30 is rest time. Everyone was encouraged during rest time to read their Bibles and have quiet, quote unquote, quiet time. 3.15 was boats, inflatables, pool, 4.15 was game, 5.30 supper, 6 o'clock was global adventures, which was essentially like was like where you're trying to get kids to donate their money to whatever the camp is supporting that summer. That's not missions. That's different. That's missions. Yeah. Oh, it was called missions. Global Adventures Missions. Oh, okay. And then there was Tuck slash Evening Thoughts on God. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure a lot of the campers were like, let's think about God. Well, as a cabin leader, you had to kind of like go through. There was a rotation. So half the people were going to Global Adventures and half of them were doing Evening Thoughts on God. And then they switched. Then 7 o'clock was Vespers again, so worship, and then you're doing snack, and then a game, and then campfire, and then lights out at 11.15. Okay. Every day is pretty similar. There's like on Tuesday, you go up for a hike on the mountain for campfire, which is always fun. Yeah, I I mean, it's a really typical camp schedule. If this was like a non-Jesus camp, it would have been the same except for like five different things. You just wouldn't have done. You would do probably more games and more free time and less jesus stuff obviously i don't know what they would have done instead of vespers because like that definitely took up a lot of time because worship would include singing and like listening to a sermon so it's like you have to go to yeah church there would always day. be a camp pastor like someone that was talking for the week i always like camp was really fun it, like i loved like we got free time when we were on maintenance to go and like they had like kayaks and water bikes. When I look back on my time at camp, this was a tough episode to prepare for because I was like, I got to think of stories. And the only thing I remember are like flashes of things. And then the good stuff, which was going kayaking, paddle boating, canoeing, like going all around. I remember because there were, there was um, a dock at the camp. And I remember when it got dark, a lot of staff would go and look at the stars you would see a bunch of shooting stars and you could see the whole Milky Way because we're like in the middle of the fucking country. And it was amazing. I just remember how incredible that was. I remember all these really fun things. And then when we actually start talking about it, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember being really tired a lot. I remember being exhausted and like sick and tired and just like the days would just drag on. Well, apart from religion, like as a camp counselor, like being 14 to 17 years old it was really intimidating because you would get you would have like 10 or 12 campers and there's two of you in this cabin and at the beginning of every week you would get a list of the campers names and then you would get their diagnoses right next to them so sometimes it'd be like ADHD ADHD anxiety depression uh, autism like so you would get all these different diagnoses and you're just like I'm 14. I don't know how to like fucking do this. And <laughs> But it was just like a lot of responsibility. Like I remember having to call child protection certain times and having campers that like had self-harmed. And so like it was a very like a big emotional toll. And that's not even getting into the, the spiritual aspect of it. And is this why you didn't want to be a camp counselor the third summer? Because the first summer I worked there, you were on maintenance and we would hang out together all the time. And then the second summer, I never saw you. Because you were a counselor and then well, when and I, I was a counselor, I would sneak out of a lot. We would like sneak out of the cabins. And that's when I was a senior counselor because you'd be like, <laughs> you would tell the junior counselor, you're like, well, fuck you. You're younger. So I'm sneaking out with friends tonight. And that's where like we would go and we would sneak into this like old abandoned cabin. And yeah. we would like play truth or dare. We'd go skinny dipping. And it was all like very like honestly very PG. Like there wasn't yeah. anything crazy. Yeah. So. And then. Do we want to talk about like the hiring process maybe? Yeah. So we've talked about the hiring process before and we could definitely touch on it again because I don't know if we did it in a regular episode or a bonus episode, but it's really bizarre looking back on it because you go to like some church basement and you are being interviewed by like the board of the camp. So, yeah, I don't know, six people maybe. And they're yeah, like six people. And there's like a lot of different questions of like. Have you had sex? Have you drank? Have you had like homosexual stuff? 
have you watched our rated movies there's this long list and then they'll be like you know how are you maintaining your relationship with jesus and like Mm -hmm. do you do daily devotionals do you pray every day do you go to church every sunday i remember like memorizing romans road Mm -hmm. which is like a bunch of different bible verses for the path to salvation to accepting jesus into your heart so i remember just like rattling those off i do i remember you telling me that and i was like you nerd but hey you got hired and i didn't and sometimes they would ask you what all the books of the bible were too Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. I'll tell you the truth about the book of Ruth. We were also tested on those during like uh, the staff training prior to. We were? Yeah. One year we were. I was definitely failed. One thing I do want to say in one question that I was asked, and I will never forget this, was the year that I did not get hired. They asked me because I, at the time, was dating a fellow Christian boy who was also working at camp. And I'm sure he got hired that year. Everybody did except for me. Yeah, he did. They asked me that if me and him were to have a fight, like on a day at camp, how would I handle it? That's weird. Yeah. And I remember my answer being like, I wouldn't let my relationship affect my work, which is actually like true. Like you just deal with it later. And then like looking back, I'm like, yeah, look, I know that like employment law when it comes to religious institutions is probably way different than regular institutions but that is so inappropriate any job that would ask me like about my sex life would immediately you know like that's like sexual harassment but we had to sign a contract saying that we weren't having sex there are human rights protecting you against those things especially in can and this is could be different in the u.s it is different in the u.s but in canada you can't do that shit you can't ask somebody their sexual preferences in a job interview you can if it's a religious institution yes we are working for yeah. a religious camp so and that's kind of the problem is that we were yeah exactly we were working for a religious institution so the the laws are obviously different so I was thinking a next thing that might be good would be hearing my thank you letter. Yeah, so Sarah (laughs) pulls out this thank you letter. So what is this? This was for, so we had this program called ShareAwage, where you would have to get up in front of your church, share your testimony, and ask people for money because the camp wouldn't pay you a decent salary, and you're asking people to donate money to you. This is a letter thanking the the people that donated to me. It's done like in, it looks, what looks like, pink and blue highlighter and i have like little pink crosses and little blue flowers and i like says, how it's a highlighter of course yeah and okay. then and it's on like a random piece of paper that i didn't even cut straight and then i folded <laughs> it in half and this isn't like whoever this was meant for like i didn't even i just had deer and then a blank um <laughs> deer blank thank you so much for your support this summer this summer was amazing seeing a number of kids commit their lives to christ <laughs> i have learned a lot about depending on God rather than my own efforts. I hope to apply these lessons to my life this coming year. May God bless you. In Christ, Sarah. Oh. <laughs> I did it in cursive at the very oh. end. <laughs> you signed it in cursive? Yeah, that is so great. Oh, my God. Oh, Sarah. Oh, man. I'm like the treasure trove that you have of random stuff that I, I, I'm jealous. So let's tell some tales. Yeah. We talked about the camp. We talked about share wage. Basically, we got work to the bone and paid less than minimum wage. Oh, way less. I think it was like calculated to be like five cents an hour if you looked at all the hours we worked. Yeah. Can I start with the first one that's really funny? Yeah. What is this? Um, I just have like teen camp retainers and you're probably like, what does that mean? Yeah. What does that so mean? So I was a camp counselor and we had this thing called the six inch rule, which applied to staff and campers that people of the opposite sex could not go within six inches of the the opposite sex because they didn't want guys and girls to touch. And so there were these like kids during the 12 and 13 year old camp that started like dating and they couldn't touch. So they changed retainers and they were, oh, and they no. were sleeping and they're like, it's the closest thing we can do to kissing. I wanted to puke. I was like, no, that is disgusting. What, but they wouldn't fit. No, they're just like had it in their mouth. I'm like, what the fuck? I know. Oh my it's God, really just fun. kiss behind the cabin, guys. Like, oh my yeah. God, we'd rather <laughs> this. Oh, that's so disgusting. Okay, so on this line, so one, one week, I was asked to be a camp counselor. There's not the senior counselor, but the second counselor, the year that I worked there. Oh, yeah. It was an adventure camp. So sometimes they would have these camps that were like more focused 
towards like mountain biking, rock climbing. So it has a different schedule than the one that Sarah gave. Instead of like doing arts and crafts, you're like doing intense activities. I learned how to belay and we went like literally rock climbing. I'm like a 15 year old learning how to belay <laughs> on the side of a on the side of a barn. And then we went out to like the rock wall, like the, an actual like cliff rock face. Surface. Anyway, so the girls that I was counseling were probably like 12. And there was like a couple girls that were like, quote unquote, cool girls. And they were like obsessed with the boys cabin that was beside us. And that exact same week, my boyfriend, my Christian boyfriend, was a counselor in a cabin like beside ours, even though like neither of us actually did counseling. We were just asked to do it that week. So the girls in my cabin were like obsessed with the boys in his cabin. And so I remember telling him, I was like, they're like obsessed with these boys. And he's like, they these boys don't give a shit. Like these boys <laughs> aren't paying attention to these girls at all. Like they are not. These girls were like obsessed. They wouldn't even eat. These girls wouldn't even eat because they thought that maybe not eating would get the boys' attention. I'm like, they're not even looking at you. Like, oh these God. guys are just having a good time. So I thought that was really funny. And it wasn't all the girls in the cabin, but I do remember them not eating and being like, I had to say skinny for the boys. I was like, oh, my God. Like, I am not qualified to deal with this. So anyway, kids, kids being kids. Do you remember Commando? Was it Commando Wednesdays or like there was one day? Yes, Commando Tuesdays. Commando Tuesdays where like Whoa. a lot of us would go Commando like just for fun. Oh, wow. I do remember that. I I wouldn't have ever remembered that on my own. But as soon as you said it, it popped right into my head. OK, we went Commando. When you get a bunch of teens living yeah. together, like some weird shit happens. Well, a bunch of teens that aren't allowed to you like your sexual impulses are going to come out in a weird way. Well, some people made peaceicles. Do you remember that? No. Okay. So I saw somebody message us about something called peaceicles, and I'm like, I have no idea what you guys are talking about. And so you're going to have to tell me. So a few people on staff that were like trying to be like, I don't know, like edgy and crazy, they like froze pee with like <gasps> those popsicle holders and they had their own pee that way. And then like, I remember being like dared. It was like four of us that we all drank our own pee. It was August. I think it was like August 21st. What? You remember the date? Yeah, because every year on the anniversary, we'd talk about it. And then we'd be like, let's not do that again. <laughs> I do remember you doing this. Yeah, uh, it was nasty. Really gross. But we just, yeah, we drank our own pee. Why? Why? Like, so the drinking your own pee, I could see you like getting into a dare situation. And in the moment you drink your pee. Okay, what? Like that is its own disgusting thing. But peaceicles takes forethought okay there are things that you need to do there you have to buy popsicle molds you have to pee into them you have to freeze it so you have time to think oh this is fucking gross why are we doing this the grosser part is they were kept in the camp freezer oh of course they were the big walk-in freezer yeah oh my god that's so unsanitary and i think the justification for peaceicles was that like they thought it might that urine might taste better if it was cold like it's so gross like, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why. throw up. Oh, my God. Okay, let's move on. I can't talk about peaceicles anymore. Yeah. I see something on our note here that says bra party. You weren't there for bra party. So the year that Jessica didn't work there, we... So basically, there was kind of like the meal hall area where the basement is where there'd be like a lot of like games and there's like the washing machines and communal bathrooms. The middle floor was like the dining hall in the kitchen. And then like upstairs was the camp office. And then just a bunch of places where the staff would sleep. Sleeping quarters. We were all sleeping in the, there were like six or seven girls that were all like going into grade 12. And we were, a bunch of us weren't cabin leaders. So we would all, we had like just this room that we were all sleeping in all summer. And like, it was super mm -hmm. fun, but we would, for some reason, we like decided it'd be cool to have like bra parties. So we would just like all hang out like in our bras and then like take pictures and then literally the person that messaged us like and a few other people uploaded them to their pixo websites and then Pixel. but we had a password and the password was bra party and that's how you got in and like oh my god i just had another memory okay. do you remember like the list of like, the hottest people at camp there was a list that a bunch of people wrote of like who was hot it might have been like like fuck mary die or like what kill kill mary or fuck mary kill fuck mary kill and there was like a list that like someone found and like uh -oh. it was this big thing oh no who wrote the yeah. list 
I think I think it was like mostly the I think it was most of the guys and they were like ranking mm-hmm. the girls. Did they get a big doo doo for that? Yeah, I think oh. like the men had a, a a talk. They had a talking to a talk. Of course. Oh my gosh! Okay, no, but I don't respecting their sisters in craze because we were all dressed modestly. We didn't deserve that shit. Yeah, <laughs> we were doing our best to avert men's eyes. Oh my yeah. gosh. Sarah was rocking those Beruta shorts, okay? So I was in bra party. And I think it's so funny because I think when people are sexually repressed, like it comes out in weird ways. And I don't know what our male counterparts did, but I know there was like some sometimes like dares and like streaking and like things like that. I feel like normal teenagers do these things too. That's true. Yeah. I don't know about bra party though. I feel like maybe. But maybe not because, like, why would you? To do a bra party, you have to be like, wow, we had to cover up so much. Let's just have a girl party and we wear our bras. I can see why you did it at this camp. I, I wouldn't have been involved in that, but I but when I was working on maintenance the year that I worked there, I slept above the like the dining hall. And yep. so I would have slept in there. And I remember I remember talking a lot. Like the girls, there would always be like like there was a staff that stayed there and then sometimes a volunteer or two would come and like and stay the week or whatever. And I yeah, I do remember lots of gossiping, even though we weren't allowed. And I remember this one time we were gossiping and then some volunteer was like, I don't want to hear gossiping. And then they plugged their ears and went la 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 la. And I was like, oh, nerd. Like, (laughs) oh, my gosh. But that like that goes to show that there was a range of maybe not as religious kids and then the like the funny kids that were like mixed together oh absolutely on the outside you're following the rules but on the inside you're having bra parties and skinny dipping so i feel like i was always someone that took i like i feel like i took the christian side really serious but i i was also like you know one to kind of want to fit in and i also like wasn't as uptight as like i'm not gonna not gonna gossip speaking of gossip i just thought of another story there was one poor person like not poor I have someone I feel bad for that was oh. <laughs> she, she was on staff and she had a boyfriend that wasn't a Christian hashtag unevenly yoked and I remember <laughs> all of the girls I feel like I wasn't one of the main ones that was like spreading the rumor but a lot of people were talking about how they thought that she had sex because she had a sleepover with her boyfriend and then she actually ended up like leaving halfway through the summer and she hadn't even had sex like she was just like you guys are assholes. Why is everyone so judgmental? And she then shouldn't I think have been she... dating a non-Christian boy. Yeah. Shouldn't have been dating a non-Christian. That is true. Why is everyone so judgmental? You remember I would wear flip-flops and sandals? Like, I would wear socks with flip-flops. I do that now. Yeah. What do you mean socks with flip-flops? Who doesn't wear socks and sandals, Sarah? Come on. Socks with flip-flops, though? It's oh, awkward. with flip-flops? Like, thong flip-flops? Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> what? Yeah. Uh, okay, what's next? I, this is an interesting one that I don't remember because this must have been the year that I didn't work here. I'm going to change the name. There is a guy in this story. And I'm going to say his name is Bob, okay? Just Bob. Today. So Bob tried to get a bunch of people fired for drinking at a party and literally sending pictures to camp. This is somebody messaged us this because yeah. we went to some of our old uh, camp friends and asked for stories. So what is this story? And just so you know, I went to the party and I did not drink. It was like a, eight people and they split like four coolers. Like it was not even. Oh, no. It, was, it wasn't even like drinking. <gasps> was it during the uh, summer? Yeah, it was during the summer. Oh, okay. So like a day off you guys went in. Yeah, yeah. It was like a Saturday night. And that was the big scandal. I was there. I did not partake. Yeah. I was faithful to my contract. Then photos got sent and it was this big thing. And we all and everyone got interviewed individually. And like you'd think that someone was murdered or something <laughs> like the the amount of like effort that went into figuring out what happened and who did what and did anyone get in trouble um no one got fired i don't even know what remedial things they would have to do but like it's weird that like your employer is going to punish you and make you do more work for living your life that is and i get it yes we're working at a church camp that's actually ties in well the punishment aspect with yeah. the story that was shared with us on instagram okay. All right. If you want me to share that. Okay, so it's a long. So how about you? Do yeah. you want to read it? Yeah, I'll read it. Okay. So it's one of our listeners. Well, not even one of our listeners. It's one of our listeners' partners. They're like, my partner told me that you guys might have a story oh, that you like. And okay. I think they just recently followed us. So Okay, cool. So just trigger warning. Um, if you've been through any sort of like church abuse or control of authority, the next story we're about to share like talks about abuse. And so you might want to just... Fast forward five minutes later. So basically, this is called Teens Missions International. It's a program for kids from 9 to 18 who go on mission trips around the world and help people. 
I had just turned 12 and both of my best friends had gone on a mission trip. They were gone the whole summer. They came back completely changed and in love with God. They were telling everyone how great it was, and I wanted that feeling so bad. I wanted to understand more and wanted to be that joyous about church because at the time I was starting to question things and I was experiencing a lot of parental abuse from my dad. So I was a very shy child who got homesick insanely easily and decided to just do a U.S. trip to a Native American reservation in Arizona. I spent the year praying, fundraising, and doing all the things right. I had the financial support, but was just unsure that this was for me as it got closer. So my abusive dad forced me to go visit my grandparents for a week before the trip, and that was the only way that he agreed letting me go. So I was a mess that week. I wasn't eating, crying all the time. I just missed my mom and wanted to go back out of this trip. As I just turned 13 and was about to be gone for seven to eight weeks. At this mission trip, there's no technology allowed, no phone calls to parents, And for the first two weeks, you went through what was called boot camp, which is in a secluded island in Florida, which is like military training. You slept in tents on the ground. You could only wear steel-toed work boots and pants. You're forced to wake up at 5 a.m. and run an obstacle course. What? And if you couldn't do it, they'd make fun of you and you'd get in trouble. They wouldn't give me my inhaler when I begged for them to give it to me. Uh... The obstacle course had this rope you had to swing on over a large creek if you missed your shoes and pants got soaked and they wouldn't let you change until the evening so you were in soaking wet clothes all day what and you only had one pair of boots allowed so your feet would literally become gross and infected and then they'd send you to classes where you're forced to do manual labor like building (sighs) brick walls to knock them down again and do it again painting fences along with bible studies during these studies they literally pressure you into repenting and manipulate you One person told me I deserved to be abused because I didn't love God enough. And this one leader would pick on me and constantly tell me that I didn't have Jesus in my heart, so I needed to ask for salvation again. And basically, they bullied you into submission. If your tent wasn't clean enough, they made you wear a sign with a pig on it. For food, they would force us to eat everything, and if you didn't, you'd get in trouble. Then after one or two weeks of the boot camp, you'd finally get to travel to the site of the actual mission trip. And so... When we went in a school bus from Florida to Arizona. I feel like that's a really long drive. Yeah, I know. It was like an old ass repainted school bus with 31 kids and six adults. Sometimes we'd have to sleep on the bus. We'd have to memorize Bible verses and they'd hold our spending money and not let us get food until we recited our Bible verses. There was one day when they let us call our parents. And I remember my mom didn't answer the phone the first time I called and I sobbed and begged to go home. Then they wouldn't let me try and call her a second time and threatened to take away free time privileges if I didn't stop crying. Then we finally got to Arizona, where we were intense again. We worked in Arizona heat with little to no breaks. They made us paint a church, dig this hole for days, along with Bible lessons. I had a leader disturb a fire ant colony on purpose, right where we were working and had the fire ants bite me and tear up my arms. And then they told me to get back to work. At one point, I was so severely dehydrated, I passed out, and they didn't care but told me to continue my silent reading time. I ended up throwing myself off an eight-foot ladder so they'd have to send me home. They just gave me ice and threatened to send me to discipline during free time for not working hard enough. They constantly were telling us we were bad kids and trying to get us in trouble just so they could make us do more on-paid labor. We were all 10 to 13 years old. It was exhausting being with 25 other kids without parents. Then when we had to go back, we had to go to back to boot camp to be debriefed, and we were trained on what to say and to get more people to come on the mission trips. We had to prepare a speech for everyone on how our trip changed our life, and if it wasn't good enough, we couldn't, wouldn't get to go on the one beach trip. I had my speech ripped up because it wasn't good enough and had to tell everyone on my team my testimony about being abused and was told to make the end sound more like the teen mission trip made me a better kid so I was no longer a problem thank you for sharing that wow. I'm so sorry first off this person went through that like that is I think this is like the far more sinister side of yeah. like you know camps what Jesus the Christ. fuck was how, like what was the point of this camp do you think like free labor what were they doing with these kids definitely free labor and it sounds honestly like cult tactics of just breaking someone down not letting people think for themselves sounds like a troubled teen situation like a troubled teen camp like those really awful troubled teen yeah but it's not oh my gosh I don't even know what to say that was so awful what this person went through is really traumatic and I really appreciate them sharing their experience because I think you know Jessica and I can talk about some of the things we went through but a lot of it was like way more innocent but I mean there are clearly situations in which 
people in authority were downright abusive to teens that were put in their care. I know. Oh, my gosh. Well, we definitely brought the mood down. But I feel like because we were just talking about like, you know, brawl parties parties and weird shit that we did as teens. But I think it's important to remember that like a lot of these camps can be really sinister. Maybe me and you didn't have a totally sinister experience. But I'm sure a lot of people that even went to the camp that we worked at had bad things happen to them, too. Well, I've heard this from a couple guys that are gay that worked at that camp that at the time, the director who would have been like in his 40s, he would call them into his office and harass them with questions asking if they were gay. And this is because they were more effeminate. And so I don't think that happened with girls as much. I We did talk to a couple people that said that they were confronted. And I just was like, what are you going to do? Come out to like the camp director? Like, what does he expect right now? Like, you're going to obviously say no. One of the things that hit me from that story, though, that like was common to our experience, it was the limited contact with the outside world. You weren't allowed to have cell phones there. Like they would confiscate your cell phone for the week. Okay, yeah, I was going to ask you that. So like nowadays, obviously completely different story because back when I worked there, I didn't even have a cell phone. So you did, though. So they would actually yeah. physically take it away from you or were they like, yeah. you have to keep it in your cabin? No, they, they kept it locked up in the office. What the fuck? And so there was one payphone. There's one payphone. That, like, you had to bring your quarters and, and people were allowed to call. But there would always be, like, a long lineup of people, like, wanting to call. So you'd really only get a couple minutes to call yep. people. And then people on the outside could send you emails, which were screened through. And if they were appropriate, then they were sent on to you. The payphone was right by the mailbox where you would get your emailed letters that had been screened. And uh, everybody had their own little, like, mailbox cubby. And so I remember the phone was right beside the mailbox. So if I ever needed to call my mom and I was, like, upset, like, there would be a lot of traffic. It was a high traffic area. Oh, yeah. It was awful. It definitely was. Yeah. And, there, yeah, there was no, like, sense of, like, privacy or anything. No, because you didn't yeah, – no. I just texted you some of the other things that people sent in. Like, no one sent in, like, long stories like the one I just read. But okay. just little tiny ones if you want to read some of them. Uh, mandatory bonfire testimony cries. <laughs> I, I Who didn't did, have a good like campfire testimony. Cry? I don't remember ever doing it around the campfire, but I remember doing it like in like vespers or like the chapel or whatever. Yeah. Next one says sharing stories with a friend about being essayed and then told on. Oof. I snuck out to make out with boys. Ooh. Wow, not very good Christians, are they? No, I mean, there's always going to be people like that. And then there's always going to be like the other end of the spectrum, which is like the extra fundamental people. And then people like me and you, which we were like late bloomers. So we weren't doing anything like that anyway. No, not at all. Like I had the boyfriend that year. We didn't do anything. I don't even think you guys kissed a camp ever, though. I feel like you followed the rules. Um, like in private, we would because we were allowed to have one on one time. Like they, we were allowed to hang out together alone. You allowed uh, to kiss? I think so. Not in front of people. We had to ha- right. stay six inches apart when we were in front of people. But I think they trusted us enough to like let us go. Like we could go canoeing and like go to that abandoned cabin by ourselves. We did all the time. And just oh, yeah, and the thing true. is that we didn't do anything sexual besides kissing because we were so on fire for Jesus. No, we were just <laughs> so like good. One, This leads me to the only story that I could really remember for this podcast episode, which was me and him. The year that I worked there, and he worked there, we went and there was like some married couples that worked there. And how old do you think that, that they would have been? Like how old do you think these these couples would have been? Like 20, like 24 then? Basically, me and my boyfriend at the time, we were 15, 16. Yeah. And we were like struggling to not do sexual stuff. And we were so like brainwashed and committed to not doing sexual stuff that like we weren't the couple that like would do it and lie about it because there were lots of couples like that too we were the opposite end of the spectrum where we had sexual feelings that we were trying to bottle up and so we went to this couple that worked at the camp and so they were like 20 they probably were even younger like they were probably like 22 and 20 okay when i think of this memory the, the reason why I w- was curious about their age is because when I think about this memory, I'm like, I <laughs> they're they so were old and wise, old and wise. They were much older. But in reality, they're like 21. 
which is like, yeah. okay. And I remember us going to this couple. We like talked to them beforehand, booked a time to talk to them because everybody's busy. And we wanted to sit down and get some advice on like how to stay pure. But then we realized that like they only dated for like six months before they got married. And then yeah. obviously like <laughs> didn't have to struggle with this. Yeah. And they're like, well, we don't have really any good advice, advice for you because you got to yes. wait a long time. I know. And this was three years. And they at least they were straightforward with the advice being like, we're we don't know. And the advice that they gave was just like, I don't know, like, just don't do it. And I just remember. Why didn't you go to the other couple? Who is the other couple? We don't hang out after 10 p.m. We don't. Oh, no, this was the the engaged couple, the ones that were doing the Josh Harris courtship situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that they weren't very nice. And they had a garden. I remember people would pee on it. <laughs> just to smite them. They're like, you and your fucking flaxseed. You guys are so mean. Why, what's the deal with pee? Uh, like a lot of pee stories. Teenage boys, maybe. I don't know. This couple was, they were very nice people. But they didn't have any advice for us. And I think that's uh, often what happens. And so I remember me and him struggling quite a bit that summer with that. It was a lot easier at camp because you can't do any PDA. I don't even think we were allowed to hold hands in public. It was definitely like six, six inches. I don't th- remember ever struggling with that at all because you're like, I'm working. Like, But anyway, that's the only story that I can really remember from my time at camp. Well, speaking of sex, they used to also have this woman that come in and talk. This woman who also would go to the local middle schools. And we have since found articles about her being like, she was really fighting for like abstinence only education in our province. Yeah. Like she was the president of the pro-life organization and all this. (laughs) And she like would bring like plastic fetuses and like she would talk about being pro-life she would talk about waiting till marriage she would talk about you'll be like gum yeah. chewed up gum that's she like she was stuck probably the, the first person that i ever heard talking because i she was the most purity up, culture yeah because i grew up in catholic church where we didn't talk about this stuff but she would have been the first person that i ever heard that analogy from the gum the petals the rose with no yeah petals, the petals etc the paper stuck to the other paper yeah she would uh, the spit and all everyone spit in the cup and then I, then you're drinking everyone's spit like it's the same thing in my memory she was like 80 years old but she was probably like 50 <laughs> Yeah, probably. But it's just like, it's so funny looking back because people who are sending their kids to camp, parents have no idea because it's kind of marketed as like, yeah, we love God here. And like, we're going to do fun activities with your kid. Yeah. But like, I found, uh, and most of the Google reviews of the camp that we went to were quite good. But I found a one, one star review. Yay. Some of it. Yeah. These people are mad. And this is only from 2021. I did. I never thought of this. I never thought to do this. It's too good. Most of them would probably be good because really, as a camper, it was a good time. And when I look back, I'm like, I barely even knew this camp was about Jesus. So one star review. My wife and I are ferociously angry at blank camp. It's staff and administration and the Baptist church that owns this facility. They do not tell parents about routine, ongoing religious content via everyday activities with a 45-minute church service every day and church service every day is in caps. They are set up to control their attendees and control the information that gets out to the public. Because of their head heads in the sand mentality and complete disrespect to science, they have adopted a COVID policy that is non-existent. Our household of five was infected and continues to suffer from the symptoms of the virus. We have lost weeks of our summer and suffered negative health effects because of this facility and its ignorant ownership. Ours is a physician household and we know the science. It only took three days of one of our children attending camp to undo our collective efforts amidst their collective stupidity. Like our provincial government, the Baptist church does not respect scientific expertise and and conducts its affairs with defiant ignorance. These people do not follow their own creed. They espouse biblical scripture, but do not follow one word of it in their daily lives. They are frauds and posers. They represent the very worst examples of Christianity that history could point to. Instead, (laughs) they take priority on finances, billing people, and raking in forty to 80000 per week for poor programs and facilities. They turn proceeds to deliberately manipulate parents by knowingly excluding references to religious content and the degree that the content will play on a daily basis. They then take advantage of the captive audience by preying on young children, the weak, the ignorant, the desperate, the uneducated, so as to promote their own desperate doctrine of Christianity in hopes of indoctrinating as many young and or vulnerable people as they can. Oh, my God. 
This is a long review. Do you want to hear the rest? Yeah. So the camp, the administration, and its Baptist ownership should be ashamed and embarrassed. Instead, they are defiantly bold and aggressive and adopt a position of yelling loudly their doctrine and pushing it forward on those who do not seek it. Sad, really. Underhanded and feeble-minded. That is, after all, the only thing they have to try to impose their beliefs on those who do not seek them. It's all they've got. We have suffered and continue to suffer as a family because of, of this camp and their ignorance. So if you want to send your child to an aggressively religious camp, one that incorporates religious doctrine into every element during the day, despite their marketing materials, clear and deliberate avoidance of any such motivation, and you further wish to expose your child to things like COVID and to your household, an extended family, and the potential consequences, this is your facility. And they don't care. Um... I have so many questions as to, like, first, like, yeah, I would definitely say, like, the COVID thing, that sucks. I, I'm on board. I'm on board with the whole thing. But I, I'm curious as to what they thought the camp was when they sent their child. They obviously didn't know that it was as religious. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree with them. We've talked about this, and I think on a bonus episode before, but the main motivation of the Baptist camp we went to was to save souls and get people to accept Jesus into their heart. Or yeah. rededicate their lives to God. So when you say those words, those are other words for indoctrination. Indoctrination, yeah. yeah. And so so there was like the board. And the board, the Baptist board, would support a lot of Baptist camps throughout our province. And camps were all compared based on the numbers of souls they saved. They kept numbers. They kept <laughs> I tallies. I was telling my husband this yesterday and he was like, that's so dark. <laughs> I know it's so dark because then they would send it out to all their sponsors. They would be like, we saved 500 people this summer. You as a counselor. Yeah, I had to turn in how many, like I had to keep track of how many kids. Would you just write it down? Yeah. And then you would give them the numbers. That's so fucked. I know. What if you didn't, what if you didn't save enough souls as a counselor? Would they say anything to you? They would compare it to, you know, like it's it's so fucked because it's, it's almost like you're in sales or something. Yeah. You're like. You know, our numbers this year, they're down 10%. Like we, need to, <laughs> we need to get those souls, you know. And w- we always called it Salvation Wednesday because, you know, like the first few days, like people are really just getting used to things and they've heard the message, but you, we really wanted to like push it on the Wednesday because then you have like a couple days to like get them, you know, Salvation Wednesday. And I think so statistically hard. that's when most people accepted Jesus, like that were at the camp. The other Baptist camp I went to was actually where I signed my one and only purity pledge. I find it interesting that they do it Wednesday when the kids are probably the most tired and sleep deprived. I think it's like any other evangelical service, like that it's very strategic. Like, you know, you start off with like the fun action-y songs and like everybody's having a great time. And then like there might be like a message and then someone might come up and speak and then afterward they have like the slow really emotional songs sometimes they'll start the slow songs while somebody's speaking yeah and then they'll really get the emotions going the year that i worked there they ended up getting the hill song kids song like dvds and then we learned yes, all the did. hill song songs and oh man those were so annoying whoa whoa my god watches over me whoa whoa, whoa. i feel like royalty for this simple reason, I'm, I'm happy, happy to, to be, be me. me. Whoa. Oh, yeah. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. I, I do remember hating those songs so much. All in all, though, I think there were some positives to working at camp. Like, that is where I learned a lot of life skills. I learned <laughs> how to do my own laundry. I learned how to cook. I learned... I started drinking coffee at 15 because I was so fucking tired all the time. <laughs> and I would drink it black, like black cold coffee because I was so tired. Oh, my um, God. <laughs> that's a good life skill. I learned how to like mop. I learned how to mow a lawn. Yes. I learned how to like clean bathrooms. I do know how to clean quite well. They paid for me to get my level D canoe instructor. So I got to like I got to teach like canoeing classes. Like that was fun. There are fun things, but it would have been fun to just work at like a regular summer camp. I think that would have been better for us a non-christian one but back then it made a lot of sense in my life because it was like it was the best it was so and you weren't with your parents all summer like it was oh, so great it was not being with your parents that was the tits man so like the freedom man was yes so and like yes your work to the bone but like spending all summer with your friends and i i like those are the memories that i have Oh, crossing guard duty. Can we talk about crossing guard duty? That was... Yeah, so crossing guard duty. So the camp was like on a really, really quiet road. Like this is in the middle. This is in the boonies, like in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, but across the road, they built new cabins. So 
the law being that if there is a road that needs to be crossed and a crossing guard needs to be there. So somebody had to sit in the crossing guard hut. And I remember yeah. spending days and days on crossing guard duty because I would take everybody's shift because then it gets you out of doing everything. You just literally sit there and like all day. And you can just like read or listen to Christian music on your MP3 player. Yeah. So what was great about the year that I worked there is that they hadn't banned Harry Potter books yet. They banned them the following year. They were banned in my heart, Jessica. They, they were banned in your heart. And I would listen to rap music because I can't tell what's on your MP3 player. And I remember listening to the song Riding Dirty. Like, trying to catch me riding dirty. <laughs> I would listen to that. Oh, my God. I yeah. remember being like, do you think the fray is Christian enough? Because they're not like. <laughs> the fray. Because they were all Christians, but they sang <laughs> secular music. Uh, So I'm just looking. Oh, okay. So I do have a story. The year that I was working, maintenance was different. We didn't have to do the regular Bible study like everybody did. So what they did, I remember, is every Monday morning, you would have to get up at six and go do Bible study. And you were in a group of like five women. A small group. And I remember uh, the person that led my small group was one of the women that were like in a couple. Oh, she didn't like me. But she was nice to me because I was in her small group. So she led our small group. And then one week we did a quiz that was, what is your spiritual gift? And what was yours? Faith. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that so good? Oh, flawless, that's so good. Flawless quiz. Flawless. <laughs> I remember my gift one year being discernment. What is discernment? Let's just Google that. When you can tell if someone's ready to become a Christian. Like, I don't. No, it's like you you could discern it. between different types of people. I don't know. I've also been told I had the gift of evangel evangelism. Oh, the gift of discernment. The word describes being able to distinguish, discern, judge, or appraise a person, statement, situation, or environment. In the New Testament, it describes the ability to distinguish between spirits or to discern between good and evil. So you're really good at judging people is basically... <laughs> I'm really good at judging. Yeah, I'm amazing at it. That's great. I remember finding out that one of my friends was on birth control and she hadn't told me. I remember you thinking that this was personal against you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember we found this out one night that we were talking super late, like up in the staff quarters above the lodge. She was like, yeah, like I've given my boyfriend a blowjob and they'd been dating for like a year. We're 16. Like, Okay. And I remember, but like at the time I was like, I was so mad I left the room. And then like someone came and talked to me and I went back in. It was like whole thing. And I was like, we're supposed to be best friends. How could you not tell me? I wonder why. I really wonder. <laughs> I knew you had the gift of discernment. No. I knew you, I knew you would judge me. And I was That's like, good. yeah, okay. So it's not surprising. Checks out. That was my reaction. You did, you did tell this story in one of our episodes early on and I was like I'm shocked that she didn't tell you Sarah. I also remember people not putting tampons in because they thought they would. Yes yes I was just about to say that that's on the list that being told that nothing goes in your vagina including tampons until you're married. Um I remember wearing pads in the lake. <laughs> what? <laughs> because you couldn't wear tampons. I wore tampons when I worked at camp because I used to do taekwondo and you wear a white uniform. <laughs> of course you did taekwondo. <laughs> Fuck you. Sorry, I'm just imagining you doing taekwondo. Were you a black I belt? I almost got Wah! to a black belt. I was so close. <laughs> yeah. I was like two belts away from a black belt. Um, and I probably couldn't even beat up like a 10-year-old now. Or then. <laughs> but um, I was spurring a guy that was a, that was a yeah. year younger than me. And I was wearing a pad because I was on my period at like 15. And uh -oh. then I went to the washroom after and realized that I had blood everywhere. And I just like, yeah. was so embarrassed. And I was like, damn it, this there. vagina is going to have a tampon up because I cannot deal with pads anymore if I'm doing like sports or physical activity. But you were and going in the pool a pad in, in the, the lake. lake. Wow. Yeah, because I, I didn't wear tampons. I want to go in the lake. So yeah. Oh, do you remember having to call overnight pads OPs? Yeah, we called them OPs. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah we called them OPs because we couldn't say the word pad in front of men apparently <laughs> i know because you can't talk about periods god forbid in terms of like camp experiences especially with the one that we read out loud of the person that messaged us like i feel like overall our experience was quite positive but i think the problem is that my whole life i have felt like these were pretty positive experiences like yeah maybe some weird shit happened 
But until doing this podcast, I didn't realize that like everything that I learned at Christian camp, because most of my religious shit comes from Christian camp, I didn't realize how fucked it was. Like, I feel like the dress code that we had to follow didn't make any fucking sense because boys could wear whatever they want and girls we like the three finger wide tank top rule without a bra strap showing but you had to wear a bra because yes. you can have nipple showing those white men's tank tops that come in a multi-pack from from walmart yeah oh yeah those are so bad oh. and we'd wear those under like camis like i know <laughs> or I tube have, tops like, i have so, so many bad. pictures of me wearing a wide strap tank top under a spaghetti strap tank top um i feel like even though a lot of the experiences were positive a lot of damage was done because that's where I learned most of my purity culture lessons was at camp. And do you think like as a parent now, I know I've asked you this before, but do you think you would send your child to a Christian camp? I mean, after reading that Google review, hell no. But <laughs> I, I don't think I, I really, I really don't think I would. I think I'm like, if you want, if somebody wants to do that, like more power to them, the kid probably won't even notice that it's about Jesus. But I don't think that I could, after doing this podcast, like, fuck, no. I, like, no. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. I just feel like I would not send my child to a Bible camp associated with any evangelical church. And I've said this before, like, if it was, because I remember hearing about, like, Anglican and United camps that were, like, a lot more chill. If the goal of the camp is to convert my child into a religion or cult, then no. Like, I don't yeah. think that's appropriate. But if they're like, yeah, okay, whatever. Maybe we pray before a meal and, but the, sure. Do you remember the prayers that we would say before meals? Yeah. Okay, wait. Can we do the Superman one together? Thank you, God, for, for giving, giving us food. food. Thank you, God, for giving us food. For, for the friends we meet and the food we eat. Thank, thank you, God, God, for giving us food. Johnny Appleseed. Oh, yeah, Johnny Appleseed. Oh, the Lord is good to me, and so I thank the Lord for giving me the things I need, the sun, the rain, and the apple seed. The Lord is good to me. Johnny Appleseed. Amen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there were so many. I remember all of them. So actually, we've just reached the end of the list. I feel like that was actually like a pretty good overview. It was definitely just a mishmash of stories. So hopefully everyone kind of is still with us. Sarah, do we have anything else? Now it's time for Storytime with Sarah. Oh, perfect. Welcome to Storytime with Sarah. Sit back, relax, and enjoy a story from our favorite book, the Bible. Here we go. Everybody, please open your Bibles. What are you going to read to us today, Sarah? We're going to go to Exodus 32. All right. Exodus. It's about camp. It's about camp. What kind of camp? Like a war camp? A different kind of camp. Not Bible (laughs) camp. More like camping. This is something that we used to like look up things versus about camp and then like apply them to us, which was really just totally out of context. Yeah. Oh, God. I don't remember that, but I'm sure we did. Exodus 32. It's about the golden calf. All right. Mm -hmm. Let's do it. So the golden calf is the title. When people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain... They gathered around Aaron and said, come, make us gods. Okay, so this is for context. Allegedly, God, Yahweh, God of Israel, God of everything, called Moses up onto Mount Sinai to give him the tablets which contain the Ten Commandments. But Moses was gone for too long and everyone got really bored. And so they're like, they said to to Moses' brother Aaron, who was a priest, they're like, yo, Aaron, Moses is taking a long time. So let's make other gods instead. Come make us some gods. Wow, that didn't take long. No, it didn't. No wonder he (laughs) fucking hated them. (laughs) Okay, Aaron answered them, take off the gold earrings from your wives, your sons, and your daughters and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. (laughs) So they just made a golden calf. And he's like, how much time did it take Moses on this mountain? My God, I don't know. He's like, like Tomo- and then he's like, so when Aaron saw this, he built an altar for the calf and announced tomorrow we're going to have a big festival and everyone's going to worship the calf and we're going to give burnt offerings and eat and drink. Then, OK, jump to the mountain. You know, God sees everything. So God says to Moses, 
go down because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them, and they have made an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it, and they've called it their god. I have seen these people, the Lord said, and they are stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them, that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. Oh, he sounds like a nice guy. So Moses is essentially like, please don't burn them. Give me a chance. <laughs> Give me a chance. And then like, you know, remember that there were some good people. Not They're not all bad. Give me a chance. God was like, okay, fine. I won't destroy <laughs> them. Like... <laughs> The Lord relented and did not bring on his people disaster that he had threatened. Well, at least God's not following through on his threats. Sounds like every toxic <laughs> parent out there. So Moses came down and he saw that everyone was like worshiping the calf. And when he approached the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, his anger burned and he threw the tablets out of his hand, breaking them into pieces at the foot of the mountain. Oh my God, he just went up the mountain to get these fucking tablets and then he broke did, them. Has he read them out yet? And then he turned, I don't know. <laughs> and then he, he took the calf the people had made and burned it in fire. And then he ground it into powder and scattered it on water and made the Israelites drink it. He's like, you have to drink this fucking gold. <laughs> he said to Aaron, what did these people do that you led them into such great sin? And then Aaron said, do not be angry, my lord. You know how prone these people are to evil. They said, make us gods. And so I got them to take off their gold jewelry and made them this calf. <laughs> It is their fault. And then Moses saw that people were running wild and Aaron had let them get out of control and so become a laughing stock to their enemies. So he stood at the entrance of the camp and said, whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the Levites rallied to him. Then he said to them, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, each man strap a sword to his side, go forth through the camp from one end to the other, each killing his brother, friend and neighbor. <laughs> What? The, the Levites did as Moses commanded. And that day, about 3,000 of the people died. Then what? Moses said, you have been set apart to the Lord today, for you were against your own son's brothers, and he has blessed you this day. The next day, no. Moses said to the people, you have committed great sin, but now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement. So <laughs> so Moses has to go back up the mountain. This is so good. So Moses went back to the Lord and said, what a great sin these people have committed. They have made themselves gods out of gold. But now please forgive their sin. But if not, then blot me out of the book you've written. And then the Lord said, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. So taking them out of the book of life, they're going to go to hell. Lead the people to the place that I spoke about and my angel will go before you. However, when the time comes for me to punish, I will punish them for their sins. And the Lord struck the people with a plague because of what they did with the calf that Aaron had made. Okay. It wasn't enough that they're like, all right, everyone, everyone that, that wants to follow the true God, come strap it to your side. Now, then they killed thousands of people. And now they're just, now you get a plague. I don't know. Man, the Old Testament is so fucking unhinged. I can't even. God, and God's like. He's like, I'm going to destroy everyone. And then Moses is Moses like, no, is like, please no. don't do it. And then Moses goes down. And he's like, I'm going to get you... you guys to destroy each other. <laughs> and then God's going to give you a plague. So you're all going to die anyway. And you're going to hell. The end. All because oh of a fucking golden God. cat. I oh love that no. Aaron's like, well, they wanted me to make it. So I, <laughs> I burned all their jewelry. <laughs> you were taking too long, Moses. Yeah. We only have so much patience. Can we... Do you want to do you want to just hear the very end of the story? Oh, that wasn't the end. There's more. No, I just went to chapter 33 and there's like two paragraphs left. Okay. Just for those of you that were a little like lost, what just happened was God sent a plague to everyone. And then he said, leave this place. Go to the place that I've promised you. I'll send an angel before you to drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites. So just driving out he means i will send an angel before you to ethnically cleanse all these people so you can have their land but i will not go with you because you are stiff-necked people and i might destroy you on the way <laughs> so i'm gonna destroy all these people so you can have their land but if you piss me off i might also destroy you oh my um, god when the people heard these distressing words they began to mourn and no one put on any ornaments well did they have any left after making the calf with all the jewelry i don't know for the Lord had said to Moses, tell the Israelites, you are stiff-necked people. If I were to go with you, even for a moment, I might destroy you. Now take your ornaments off 
and I will decide what to do with you. So the Israelites stripped off their ornaments at Mount Horeb. Okay. I mean, um, God's just so dramatic, man. He's I so know. dramatic. <laughs> Drama! Like, Jesus has some great stuff to say. And the, the God that Jesus kind of paints is, like, nice. Nice-ish. Ish, kind, like a kind Leon man. Kind of like Santa Claus. Yeah. More loving. But then, like, when you read the Old Testament, like, to me, it just seems like something that wandering tribes of men wrote thousands of years ago like it doesn't seem like anything other it doesn't seem special it seems like <laughs> like yeah <laughs> i don't know it's really yeah, it's i really mean fucked. you're preaching to the choir here sarah you don't have to convince me i, I don't think any of this is fucking real so. like i just don't like what is, like why is that story in the bible why does that need to be there why does many stories need to be in the bible is it like question? all of exodus basically all of the ones that we've told yeah i mean it, it is a wonder that out of all religions in the world, this was one of them that really caught on and, <laughs> yeah. and spread. I mean, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me, but here we are. I think Aaron was my favorite character in the story because I probably would have done the same thing. <laughs> like, like, I don't know, man. That's I don't know. Just give me your jewelry. I, like, Moses has been gone for a minute. Like, I don't know. <laughs> He's been gone for like 20 minutes. It's way too long. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. I just gave them people what they wanted. <laughs> oh, Aaron. Aaron. Um, justice for Aaron. Okay. And then... The last thing, do we have a content creator, anyone that you want to share that you like? Oh, yeah. Okay. The problem is, is that I don't really go on Instagram anymore, but I do. I want to shout out her name is Sheila Gregor, and I don't know if I'm saying her last name wrong, but she's a Christian and she is the founder of what's called Bear Marriage. Oh, yeah. And she has a book called The Great Sex Rescue. And I we've been recommended this by a few other Christians. She is an author and she tries to fix kind of like people's problems with sex within marriage from a Christian standpoint and people that have issues because of purity culture. And she's doing it from a Christian standpoint. So if you're listening and you're a Christian, she, I have had her book recommended to us. It is something that is on my reading list. And I just want to shout her out because I have also looked at her blog. It's really good. So her Instagram page is really good too. Like one of her recent posts is looking at focus on the family and like she's like so focus in the family just shared a testimony from a woman whose husband had an affair and was jailed for domestic violence and then abandoned her when she got cancer but she prayed and he repented and came back oh shut you know fuck. what kind of testimony i'd like to hear instead i'd like to hear about a marriage where a betrayed and abused wife learns that she is precious to god and that jesus wants to rescue her from abuse and not submit her to it so what i like about sheila yeah okay look she's christian if you don't want the Christian point of view, I get it because I certainly don't always want it, but she is giving the advice that should be given. It's just yeah. that she does include Jesus in it. I know some Christians do listen to our podcast and I really like Sheila's work. And we have talked about her. I have used her work on other podcast episodes where we kind of just talk about like marriage stuff and she always has good advice. So that's my shout out for the day. Well, we'll, we'll kind of keep talking about what we're reading and listeners, let us know what you're reading or if you, if you think that we should shout out anybody. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. Well, thank All you, right. everyone. We love you. Bye. No, you can't get to heaven in a mini skirt Cause the Lord don't want to little birds How do you spell Exodus? E-X-O-D-U-S. E-X-O. Look at you knowing your Bible. Wow. No, I just know how to spell Sarah. <laughs> <laughs>